Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Um, it's, I just want to... Uh... I just want to say that I've really enjoyed this series myself. I think that when we think about the small things we can do that make big differences in our life and we do them again and again, it's much easier to think about change than we think about if we think about, I need to change my whole life. I need to get everything fixed. Nothing can stay the same. I mean, Pastor Bryson's jokingly saying that, right? And the reason we know it's a joke is we just don't work that way as human beings. We just don't. Uh, years and years ago, uh, Holly, my wife, she's sitting right there in the front row. If you don't know her, she's a wonderful person. Um, everybody line up, meet her, swarmer. Introverts love that. Afterwards, that's just, it'll be introvert heaven, honey. We'll just do it. It'll be great. Um, I was preaching, I don't remember what I was preaching on, and I, I, was, uh, I gave this high challenge for us. I thought, Let's just go for this high challenge, because that's my personality. I'm an optimist. I love a challenge. I'm a competitive person. I like to go after things like that. And she just said, Dave, if you set the bar too high, everybody stops jumping. And that's always stuck with me ever since. If you set the bar too high, everybody stops jumping. And I go, no, we try harder. And she said, no, no, everybody stops jumping. And that's what I love about this series. We're not saying transform all of your devotional life or whatever else. We're saying make these small changes and see if it doesn't uh, do something good for you. Rhythms of rest. So when Pastor Philip came in and stood beside me, I said, I'm so sorry, Pastor Philip. You just came back from Turkey. He was with our global leaders in Turkey, helping plan the, the next strategic cycle of our global movement, Every Nation. He just got back, and I said, I should have texted you to say, not be here tonight. He said, no, I'm here. And I said, I know, but you just preached on rest. <laughs> you should be home. Well, you do what you want. I should have texted you. You should have been released. Now you are. If the Lord says, go, go. And he said, maybe. Half a song later, he winked and out he was. Because he knew he'd preached on rest. And here he was coming back with, he's got jet lag and he's been working nonstop. He needed to go rest. Uh, even that kind of small accountable change can make a big difference. Uh, rhythms of rest. Rhythms of the word, getting the word into our life. And Julie's uh, testimony there about that word coming back to her in a moment when she needed it because it was in her. Just one verse, one tiny thing. Um, rhythms of prayer, just setting a timer on your watch that makes you pray or setting a space in which you pray or using the drive like Dr. Delvin mentioned to us. Too. These little tiny things can make a big difference. Okay. Tonight, we're talking about rhythms of fellowship. Rhythms of fellowship. Psychologists tell us that some of the most core human concerns are things like knowing and being fully known, loving and being loved, um, being wanted, belonging, and having all of those things in a way that feels secure. If 
You know and are known. You love and are loved. You feel wanted and you enjoy that with others. You feel a sense of belonging and acceptance. And that is secure in your life. It feels stable, predictable, steady, not going somewhere. You're healthy. You are encouraged. You are enjoying an emotional sense of well-being. The degree to which those things aren't as true as you want them to be, or the degree to which they are broken or missing, or the degree to which they're insecure, unstable, unpredictable, is the degree to which you are right now experiencing emotional pain, emotional dis-ease. We want to be loved, we want to love. We want to know, we want to be known. We want to be wanted, to belong. We want to have a security in those things. What's fascinating to me about that is so much of that is centered around what we're talking about tonight, fellowship. Fellowship. So uh, I know we come to these kind of discussions from so many different angles and spaces in life. Some of us in this Wednesday night core crew just a year ago were in deep patterns of completely rebellious sin, self-destructive sin. Uh, That's where some of us in this room were. Some of us in this room have for decades faithfully followed Christ and we're just trying to press in a little bit closer. So I know we come from a wide range, so I like to split things up sometimes in this way, if you'll forgive me for using this analogy again. We'll start with Fellowship 101, like college class. We're, we're in the freshman class for a moment. Fellowship 101, and it's going to be note takers tonight, delight tonight, so if you love to take notes, you can pull out your phone, I don't mind you double thumb and texting, uh, you, you can write the notes, text it to yourself, whatever you want to do, if you're scribbling on a notepad, that's fine, or just let it go across the screen of your mind, I don't care, but there's going to be a good bit, all right, so uh, fellowship 101, the first kind of fellowship that we talk about Christians, the most obvious is the weekly gathering, now for some of you, this is your primary weekly gathering. So Connie and I were just talking and she works on Sundays and Wednesday night is her church. So she's so grateful that we have a midweek service because this is her church service. So some, for some people, this is the primary. For many people, Sunday is the primary. This is the touch in, the tune up, the, the, the realignment, the chiropractic moment with the Lord in the middle of the week. Crack my, back, my spiritual backs back into place so I can get back at it. Whichever one it is, there's a weekly gathering rhythm that we have, right? Why do we do it? We often talk about making sure we do it, but why do we do it? Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25, you can open your Bibles or turn them on, flip there if you like. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25 reads this way. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together or gather together, as some of your translations put it, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A few things that are the purposes of the gathering that come out of this verse. First, quick, sustaining faith. Sustaining faith. Let us hold fast to the faith faith which we profess. Some of your translations say it that way. There is a sustaining nature to regularly gathering with other believers that keeps the subtle drift of the soul from occurring. 
there is a natural gravitational pull on your spiritual life in a secular environment that is dragging you away from God the moment you walk away from the fellowship of other believers. That gravitational pull is pulling you constantly when you're away from that fellowship. It's attacking you. It's haranguing you. It's mocking you. It's saying all kinds of subtle messages. The TV is saying it. Cable is saying it. The internet is saying it. TikTok is saying it. The songs are saying it. The radio is saying it. Your coworkers are saying it. And it's a gravitational pull. And so the gathering together then is, is like getting closer to a larger gravitational pull that brings us back into the orbit that we're supposed to be in. And so we do this elliptical spin on a weekly basis. We never get out of orbit. The less, the, uh, the, the more often we get out of that elliptical spin where we come closer to the greater gravitational pull of Christian fellowship, the more we're going to start stretching farther and farther. And it doesn't seem like a big deal. You won't notice the difference one week. You won't notice the difference two weeks. You won't notice the difference three weeks. As a matter of fact, you often won't notice the difference at all until you suddenly, years later, wake up, look back at your life and say, I never used to be like this. What happened? One degree at a time, one centimeter at a time, one little bit of a movement at the time, you got completely out of orbit. It sustains our faith to gather together. It just does. The next one is maintaining community. So we don't want to forsake, abandon the gathering together of believers, as some are, listen to it, in the habit of doing. You know what's funny? They didn't have COVID-19. And even then, some were in the habit of forsaking one another. Their habit was actually to abandon, not to gather. They were more often gone than present. And that has had a different reason for existing throughout each epoch of Christian history among Christians who are wandering, but it's always been there. In that sense, COVID-19 aftermath is not new. It's just taken a different form. Don't abandon the gathering together of believers as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, there's lots of reasons we might, we might want to abandon it. I, I like going for a day on the lake just like anybody else. I enjoy time at the beach just like anybody else. My favorite place in the world to be is on the river with a rod in my hand and everybody else far away. I love that. It's fantastic. And, and I've, I've at times in my life been tempted by that narrative. Oh, I get closer to God when I'm just out on a stream. Yeah, right. Because you watch your life. Are you more like God after you keep doing that and abandoning the fellowship? No, you're not. And are you more connected to others? We maintain community as we have regular contact with one another. Sometimes you just like people more the more often you see them. Now, then there's some people, you know, but that's not the point of this, this conversation. You know, this some. The more you see them, the more you think, I just don't know if I could take another day. But that's a different sermon. So you maintain community by coming back together. Next, uh, we encourage one another towards good work. So it says to encourage one another, the word is to spur, and in other places in scripture it says to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, if you remember that. Encouragement in scripture is not just a 
Boy, that's a really nice outfit. Oh, that, that looks so good on you. Have you been losing weight? You've totally been working out. Let me feel those biceps. Then, you know, that kind of crazy, weird thing that we, we do often, the shallow compliments. Of, those are really nice. Is That's a new set of glasses, isn't it? You, you, all of those kinds of things are mildly positive. They don't put courage in the soul. But when you pull someone aside and you say, I don't know if you realize this, but you have the gift of fill in the blank. If you fan that in flame, into flame and use it as much as you possibly can, God is going to keep changing lives through you. You have the gift of teaching. You, you, have, you have the gift of mercy. You have the gift of discernment. When you start naming people's giftedness, they start acting in that giftedness. Then the more they act in that giftedness, the more they see others' lives changed, then they have more courage to do more good things to change more lives. Now that's the kind of encouragement it's talking about. Or the spurring on, hey, let's, let's, let's just go, let's go Tuesday night. Let's just go feed the homeless. It's easy. It's a half an hour drive. It's an hour while we're there. We stand, we put food on people's plate. We talk to those. We, we just relate. We listen. It's a piece of cake. Let's do it together. Oh, you know, I don't know. It's been a long, come on, come on. It's no big deal. One night, that spurring, one another on, like the cowboy with the spur right in the ribs. You can do it. Come on, put it on your calendar. Get your phone, get your phone, get your phone. Let me see your calendar. There's nothing on it. That kind of spurring helps us do what we already know we should do, but we keep avoiding, and we're very unhappy that we don't do it, and yet we keep not doing it. So one, this is Fellowship 101, so uh, I don't want to land here forever, but it sustains our faith, it maintains community, and it, and it encourages us towards the good work and the purposes God has for our life. That's the purposes. Okay, now, rhythms. I, I love this. Rhythms. You know, on Sunday mornings, we're doing choices. On Wednesday, we're doing rhythms. So little tiny things, door hinges that, hinges that turn a door, the rudders that steer a ship. Here's some suggestions for those rhythms for you for the gathering. First of all, shoot for three out of four. Now, I could get in trouble for saying this. We were joking in the back. Ron, who, who does such a wonderful job of getting these slides up for you. Thank you, Ron Hall. Wave, Ron. Wave, Ron. We want to cheer you on. Give him a cheer. Give him a call. Ron, Carlos, you're not Ron. No, don't you, yeah, you waved, Carlos. Yeah, point. That's better. There, in the back behind the computer is Ron. So he does that faithfully for us every week. We're joking about this. And he says, I thought it was always four out of four. <laughs> always four out of four. What did you say? Have I been Bethel brainwashed? And I said, yes. Yeah, uh, I know we could set the bar high. Oh, you should be here every time, no matter what. Uh, don't you get to go on vacation? Couldn't you go to a baseball game with your family? What if you want to go to the lake? Uh, what if your grandmother wants that reunion? Come on, it, it's, it's her 70th anniversary for crying out loud. She's ancient. You might not have another one. Uh, can you get one one Sunday, yes. Uh, uh, that's a, actually, they call regular attenders in studies of Christianity in recent history two out of four. It used to be three out of four, though. They dialed it down because it made our numbers look better as Americans are abandoning the gathering more and more. So don't drop down to the new standard. Stay up there at the old standard and you'll be in a good place. Three out of four. That gives you room. It gives you room. And I'm not saying you can't ever have a two out of four. I'm not a legalist. Do I, do I sound like a legalist? 
You aim for something like three out of four. That's a rhythm that we can do, yes? Okay, great, next one. Find two people to encourage while you're there. Great, you showed up at church. Great, you walked in and you warmed the cloth on that seat. Thank you so much. That chair was getting chilly this week, but since you came, it feels a little warmer. That we, we don't need that. What we need is people interacting with one another, connecting with one another, re-engaging that community, talking to each other, listening to each other's stories, even new stories. This is last, was it last week? I got to hear a new story about a whole life. We got to talk in the lobby. That was such a joy to me, John. Thank you for that. And, and getting, getting to know one another's stories, hearing each other's lives, and then speaking into each other's lives in a way that puts courage in there. Jeffrey, the ministry that you are doing with grief care is, is just bar none. It's blessing our church. We know it. We know it. I know it takes work and I know it takes effort. The ministry you all are doing with divorce care is so fantastic. You're gifted at it. It's blessing our church. We need it. We could go around the room, right? What you're doing, Larry, with kids that have needs with reading, what you can, and your passion, you care, carry for that. God bless you, Pastor Larry. I see you. I don't think I don't see you back there. Bless you for it. There's a deep need for it. We could just keep going. Life group leadership, thank you for leading life groups. Thank you for faithful prayer for your community. Just around a circle, you say that kind of stuff to people, it puts courage in their heart. <laughs> Don't leave church until you've done it. Because that's why we came. Not just for this. My little rule, I've had this for years, is I'm looking for two people to encourage every time we gather. And if I don't find them, and I remember that I haven't, some, you know, I'm human, I'm not a legalist about this either, I try to go search for somebody. And I'm not gonna just compliment their outfit or say, nice haircut, Bryson. I just, that's my favorite. <laughs> I, I wanna go deeper than that. All right, okay. Spiritual family is the second uh, part of Fellowship 101. We still good, Ashley? Is everything good? We're happy? Okay, spiritual family. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46, a very familiar verse if you want to flip there. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46. You might even have it memorized by now. This is a great central verse for what it means to be in fellowship and do community together. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and shared all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, received their food with glad and generous hearts. And it goes on to say, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Spiritual family. You've heard us talk about it many times. Okay, here's the purposes of spiritual family, though. We don't always talk about what the purposes are. This is easy. It's Fellowship 101. Sharing life together. That may seem like a simple thing. But when I get to hug your kids down here, and Mia gives me that big old hug, and I say, what was your favorite song today? And she tells me, and we laugh. And, you know, when, when, uh, when Pastor James 
uh, kids and I, we get these talks together, have conversations, or when Pastor James and my kids, and I say, hey, this is Uncle James right now. I just want to introduce you to Uncle James. This isn't just Pastor James. For this moment, he's Uncle James. When we have that kind of intersecting life where we're able to bump into one another, we're sharing not just moments and events, but we're sharing our lives together, where we're eating together, where we're sharing some of the more vulnerable parts of our life together, where we're crying together, praying together, sharing what we want to grow together. We keep going through it when we're sharing our disappointments, our frustrations, our fears, all the pain in our life together, right? When we do that, when we're sharing life together, it's a beautiful thing. Do you realize how many people have just one or two people total to share life with in any meaningful way? The loneliness epidemic in America has been chronicled by too many people to mention. Sharing life together. Second, meeting each other's needs. In this passage, I hope you notice, it's not just about singing songs and hearing teaching. We worked for, I don't know, four months to get a couple that sits right down there most Sundays into a home because they couldn't get a home. We worked for four months. To, we paid for week by week rental until we could get it done. We gathered funds for that. We cobbled together different ideas. We knocked on doors. We called organizations. We pressed in with, with veterans until we found a way to get this faithful couple who was right there into a stinking home. Why? Not a stinking home, it's a good home. <laughs> it's a good home. Uh, why? Because we're not just here to sing songs, listen to talking, and do nothing that matches with the songs we sing and the talking we're giving. When we hear needs, we want to do our dead level best as a community to meet them. Even if that means we got to sell something we own so that they can have something that they need when it's something that we own isn't something that we need. That is the basic, most original form of Christianity. So when we do our benevolence offerings, when we do our free will offerings, when we give to those kind of things, it's because that's, that's why we're gathering. That's why we're family. You already know that. Uh, so then the third, filling our homes with joy. The purposes for spiritual family Filling our homes with joy. Um, you know how sometimes in your homes, because there's just a certain small set of people, it locks into repeated conflicts that you just can't seem to get out of that? Have you ever noticed that? No? It doesn't happen in your house? Is it just, okay, okay. Three of you? Come on. Can we be honest, Christians? So it locks in. The fewer people you have, actually, the more uh, concretized your conflicts become because there's nothing to break it up. But then bring other people in and out of your home on a regular flowing in and flowing out basis and watch how it changes the dynamics of the conflicts. They have somebody else to get mad at. You know, Sometimes you realize, oh, I actually like you a lot more than the people that were just in our home. So invite other people from church home so that people in your house will like each other better. They say, don't bring those crazy people over here anymore. We just want to have a family night. Can we have a family night, please? No, it, kidding in a way, but serious in another there is a joy that happens. And think about the glory of what we have in our church. Devotion, diversity, discipleship. 62 nations of birth origin. We, we sing sometimes in different languages because the people who speak those languages worship in our church. 
We, we get to, when we open up this playland, I can't wait for it to open up. We get to watch the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. being played out right in front of us as our kids are playing, holding hands, and they think it's normal. It gets to happen in our church. Come on. What a miracle we have. But we could just clump into rooms and not really get into each other's homes and never really truly do deep reconciliation work where we understand each other's lives at that deep level, share in each other's joys and pains and break bread together in one another's homes. So part of the reason for a spiritual family is so that we fill our home with the joy that comes from the diversity of God's kingdom, the glory of what he's given us in this church doesn't just stay here. It shows up at our dinner table if we're doing spiritual family right. So, okay, moving on. Suggestions for spiritual family. Suggestions. So these are the little rhythms that you might add. You're going to choose from these by the end, by the way. I'm not suggesting you add all of these. Uh, I just want to give you some, a smorgasbord of happy fellowship to choose from. Okay. Suggestions. Aim to have or be a guest one more time a month. Just one more time. Just kind of, if you choose this one, then what you'd be saying is, hey, you know, you talk to the people in your home, say, let's try to either have someone or say yes to someone one more time a month than we normally do. Just look at your calendar, see about how often it happens, and come on, this is Nashville. You think I don't know Nashville by now? Everybody's driving everywhere, stuck in traffic all the time, thinking about how to get there on time. And, and then they say, you hard, we hardly ever eat in each other's homes. If we, if we eat together, it's where you want to eat. I don't know, where, which of the three restaurants we normally go to we're going to go to, right? Have somebody in your home. Something changes when they're in your house. Uh, it, it, okay, if you have to, order out. You don't have to cook for this one. I just don't want to raise the bar too high. We won't jump. Order out if you have to, but be in each other's homes one more time a month than you have been. Don't say no. Say yes if somebody asks. That's one. Second, this is not a small thing. Uh, lead, support the leader of, or attend a life group. Now, that should be a small thing. We say it so often. It is the single most important thing happening at Bethel. Period. It's more important, in my mind, than Sunday morning preaching. Not more important than Wednesday night preaching. But it's more important, kidding, than Sunday morning preaching. To have a small group of people with whom you are sharing life and you are digging into the word and life together, praying for one another, sharing each other's burdens together because that's where real life change can occur. So if you, if you don't feel like you're ready to lead one, well then talk to somebody who is and say, can I bring a snack? Could I close this in prayer? Uh, or, or even if nothing else, go to one. Just attend. Show up until you feel comfortable to do more. It's spiritual family. Okay, that's 101. Are you glad we're done? Raise your hand. If you're glad we're done with 101, we're going on to 201. If you're that glad we're done, raise your hand. Oh, we go back. You can do some more? All right. If spiritual, <laughs> spiritual fellowship 201. Fellowship 201. All right. 201. Let's go to sophomore level class of fellowship and rhythms of fellowship for this teaching time. Okay. Now, let's, 201 is really all about friendship. Fellowship is the basics. It's like we got to do this because we're Christians. This is what it means to be Christians. Friendship takes us another level in fellowship. 
Fellowship in general is just the connecting, the gathering, the community, the intermingling, the in one another's homes. Friendship takes something that is external and sometimes internal and takes it all the way down to the internal. It's a thing of the soul. Aristotle said a true friend, two friends, if they're truly friends, are, are um, one soul in two bodies. I love that quote. When you really get to a, a deep friendship, you have sort of one soul in two bodies. So, uh, but there's all kinds of different friends and not all of them reach that Aristotelian definition of friendship. Let's just admit it for a minute. And let me give you four kinds of friendship. These aren't from the Bible. Is that okay if I give you something not from the Bible? This is just Dave Wardisms. These are different kinds of friends, and it's okay that we're this way. Friends, the first of the four kinds of friendship is friends for the moment. That's just sometimes what we have, friends for the moment. You ever get stuck in an elevator? <laughs> you know, hopefully it can turn into a friend for the moment, because the other direction is not very pleasant. Uh, on a bus ride or on a long, uh, you know, there's times when you get friends for a moment, even if you extend the idea of the moment a little bit longer. You know, if you were in, back in grade school, when you were in a class for a semester and it was going to change next semester, but there you are, you're sitting next to each other. You have art class next to each other or whatever. You're on a, on a sporting team just for one season. You get a friend for the moment. Somebody comes into your place of work. They're there for a time and then gone after a time. They're just a friend for the moment. Then there's friends for the road, a journey that you're taking together. Let's say you go overseas and uh, you're going on a missions trip and you meet people on that missions trip and you develop a friendship on that 10-day trip with every nation. And you enjoy the 10-day trip and you feel a bonding, but they're really just friends for the road. You don't stay in touch weekly. You don't communicate often and you shouldn't feel any guilt about that. They were friends for the road. And then there's friends for the season. Sometimes it lasts a little bit longer and there's a season of life in which you have a friendship that supports you and strengthens you, encourages you and blesses you, but then the season is done. Now there's a grief that happens more with friends of the season than friends of the moment or friends of the road. When it's just a friend for the moment or friend for the road, the only grief that happens is if your heart got ahead of the relationship. <laughs> And you thought, oh, I thought they were going to be my best friend. And they already have seven best friends. You know, uh, you're my best friend, you're my best friend, and you're my best friend. So if they already have their friendship slots full and they move on, that's the only grief there. But if it's a friendship for the season, there's almost always a certain grief involved. Because it did go deeper. You were together for a decade of life. Or you raised your kids together, but now the kids are gone. Or you were part of a motorcycle pack for a while, and now you've gone your different ways. Uh, you were a part of a, never, I'll, I had several jokes. I've just said too many jokes. I think I've reached my limit of dumb jokes tonight, so I keep moving. So you, the friends for the season is a category that you need to get okay with. And don't guilt people when the season is over. But then sometimes you get this greatest of all blessings in friendship that if you have a few of these, you're one of the richest people on the planet. Friends for life. Friends for life. Most of our friendships are honestly just friendships for the season. And we don't know that until the season ends. And then once the season ends, we realize, oh, I guess that was a friendship for a season. Shouldn't be guilt, should be gratitude. Friendship should never have guilt in it. 
just only gratitude. Whatever friendship we get, we receive as a gift, right? So, uh, but friends for life, that, it takes you 20 years to figure out whether or not that's going to be the case. So if you just met him a year ago, don't think, oh, don't tell him even. That puts pressure on the relationship. We're friends for life. I'm going to, you want to mingle blood? Let's cut our hands. You know, don't, let's form a covenant right now. Don't put pressure like that on people. Let it emerge the way it needs to emerge. But when you have them, treasure them, guard them, care for them, fight for that relationship. Don't give up on it easy. When you cross that decade, two decade mark, you know you've got something special. Keep pursuing it. That's friends for life. Now, that's just categories from Dave. Now let me give you a scripture of caution. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. This is now why the categories become important. Friends for the moment, bad company, not too big a deal. Friends for the road, bad company, not too big a deal. Friends for a season, could be good, could be bad. Depends on if you're a leader or a follower. And if you're going into that relationship with somebody whose character is not aimed towards Christ, growing towards Christ, modeling Christ, and you are too easily influenced, this is a bad situation. And the longer you stay in that, the worse it's going to get for you. You shouldn't cut off everybody who doesn't follow Christ. I'm not suggesting that at all. We desperately want everybody who doesn't know Christ to know Christ. You shouldn't cut yourself off from anybody who sins the first moment they sin and then say legalistically, now bad company corrupts good morals. And, you know, I saw that. I saw what you did. You cheated on your taxes. And you, you, know, you did it. You told me and you know, we're, we're done. Uh, but you do need to watch the aim of a person's life and the direction of a person's life. And the people who are closest to you in your concentric circles of closest friends need to be heading the same direction. Friends for life? If you only have a two or three friends for life, which is about all anybody has, and they're not following Christ, they're probably influencing you and you don't know it. It's just what it is. It's just what it is. I'm not saying abandon them. I'm saying, are they really your friend for life or are they just someone you need to keep loving, keep praying for, keep pursuing, and if the season ends, you're going to let it go because you're trying to make sure that they're going to follow God, but if they're not going to follow God, you're not going to let them drag you down. You've got to be careful is all I'm trying to say about who you give your deepest levels of friendship to. Um, purposes of these friendships, what are they for? Let me run through some of these purposes quickly. I won't give you, I'm not gonna turn to these verses, you can write these down, I might quote them in snippets, but just to help us go a little faster, uh, you, you can flip there if you want, but the first purpose of friendship is deep joy. Proverbs 27, nine talks about the oil, uh, the perfume uh, that makes, that delights us, the perfume that uh, delights us and that the, uh, a, the sweetness of a friend is their earnest counsel and it brings deep joy. It gladdens the heart. Friendship brings us joy, not happiness. Uh, one of my dearest friends lost his entire house in the hurricane in Florida. Am I happy right now? 
No, but when we call and we talk to one another, I have a deep-seated joy. It's not happiness, but there's a connection there, a soul connection that runs deep that won't end, and that brings joy. Growing wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 12, 26 and Proverbs 13, 20 talk about the earnestness of a friend's counsel, talk about getting counsel, iron sharpening iron, um, secure support. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Remember the core human needs I said at the very beginning that we want all of those things securely. And 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3 is a great example of being loved deeply. Jonathan and David. It says from that day on, Jonathan loved David as his own soul. It's a beautiful statement of friendship. So how do we get that? How do we get that kind of friend? Uh, It's by number two, being the right kind of friend. (laughs) There's four kinds of friendship. There's really only one path for being the right kind of friend. Here it is coming from scripture. Uh, I'll just read these quickly to you again. First of all, make sacrifices for friendship. John 15 makes it clear that Jesus is saying that the best thing a friend can do is to lay down his life for the other. And that's what I'm doing for you and I call you friends. So make sacrifices. Master listening. Proverbs 18, 13 says the one who answers before he listens is a fool and it's shameful. If you want to be a good friend, listen well. Proverbs 27, 17, offer and receive correction. We need correction in our life. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If somebody only says good things to you, they are not your friend. They act like your friend, but you're walking around with spinach in your teeth and your zipper down and your shoes untied and toilet paper hanging out of the back of your pants, and they're not saying a thing to you. So that, that's a metaphor. I don't mean that literally, but maybe you are. Do you really need a friend right then? But if a friend won't tell you what everybody else can see that's damaging you, that's not really a friend. So for you to be a good friend, you need to be able to offer and receive correction. And then Matthew 7, 12, give what you desire to receive. Jesus says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. I have a little video for you. Can I show you a little video? This is uh, from the bathroom by my office. Uh, can we play that video? You seen these things? They're so fun. It's a motion activated paper towel dispenser. There it goes. It's actually kind of hypnotic. It just keeps working. No matter how many times you wave, it just, there it goes again. Spits out another paper towel. Friendship is like a motion activated paper towel dispenser. Pulls out a paper towel, I get a paper towel, rub, dry my hands. My hands aren't quite dry. I need another one. I need another one. I need another one. When's it going to give me another one? When's it going to give me another one? Wave, out comes another one. That's the first part of the metaphor, but it's more like this. Friendship is two motion-activated paper towel dispensers. If you put out a paper towel, the motion of that paper towel activates the other motion-activated paper towel dispenser. And then the motion of that paper towel activates your paper towel. But if both of you sit there looking at each other saying, I wish I had a paper towel, you're never going to build your friendship. 
Do you follow? Um, okay, you can stop the loop on that. Thank you, Ron. I had him loop it because I just, I love that idea. Um, friendship isn't a big thing. It's a million little things, Paul Cahello says. A note, a phone call, a text, an email, a dropping by, a knocking on the door, a kind encouragement, a scripture verse shared. Uh, are you okay? Uh, let's go get a movie. Hey, you want to get something to eat? I already ate, but I'll go with you. It's not about the food anyway, is it? Friendship isn't a big thing. It's a million little things. So, okay, suggestions for being the right friend. First suggestion, exchange screen time for friend time. Now, we're going to talk about that more, I believe, next week. We're going to deal a whole time with screen time. I know that's a big thing we've got to deal with in our culture. The average North American spends over seven hours on the screen each day. Seven loving hours of that beautiful blue light soaking deep into the recesses of our soul. Seven hours. Could you give an hour of that to friendship? Could you give an hour of that away? I know sometimes it's so tempting to turn to the Netflix binge because you really are rested after you've binged Netflix. Have you noticed that? You feel so rested. And, and I always feel closer to Jesus after I binge a Netflix show. I just do. There's, it's a guaranteed result. I'm closer to Jesus. I feel more loved. I know where I belong. I'm accepted. I feel secure in that. <laughs> it's not true. It's this luring, tempting, fake thing, you know? Uh, it's, like, it's like a Tootsie Roll. I don't know what a Tootsie Roll is. It's not really chocolate. It's, it's, it's really soft plastic with a flavor that's almost chocolate. It like reminds you of something that could have been chocolate. What is that thing? But it's so tempting when you see it on the counter. Like, I want a Tootsie Roll. And then you eat it. And it's like, what did I just eat? I don't know what I put into myself. That's going to stay with me forever. Uh, exchange screen time. The Tootsie Roll of screen time. For your mama's home-baked lasagna of friendship. Make the phone call. Drop by the house. Send a note. Write a letter. How many of you have received a handwritten piece of mail this week? One. In the entire room. How many of you would love to receive a piece of handwritten mail from a friend this week? Let me just see what it said here. It said something. Uh, it said something. Where did it go? Give what you desire to receive. Next suggestion. Do one thing for a friend each day. Simple. If friendship is a million little things, let's start adding them up. Do one little thing. Help them with a the chore. Drop off a plate of cookies. Give a phone call. Send the text. Park outside the front of their house. Send them a text and say, I'm out here and I'm not leaving until you come talk to me. Whatever, whatever it is that works for your friendships, that may not be it. It works for me, actually, believe it or not. 
All right, so let's put all of the friendships, uh, all the suggestions for fellowship that we've had up uh, all at a time. This is the next slide that you have. Choose one to two of these. There you go. Just build them all at once. So these are all the ones that I've just ideas that I've had for you. All I want you to do is pick one. So uh, which one do you need to work on? Now, if you're already past Fellowship 101, don't choose a Fellowship 101. He's like, well, you're already doing that. Don't cheat. Sally loves to, to cheat on tests. Don't cheat on tests, Sally. Okay, so shoot for three out of four gatherings. If you're not there, make that your goal. I just need to be present more often. It's amazing what presence does. Uh, if you are just kind of coming in and going out, you've had a couple conversations, but they're mostly shallow most of the time. You realize you say hi and bye, and you, you don't really get to the deeper level of putting courage into somebody, speaking a word into their life that moves them into good works. Look for two people, every gathering, just two. Two, do your best. Ask the Lord to help you to give them a word of encouragement that speaks to something deeper than the shoes they're wearing or something like that. Aim to have or be a guest one more time a month. Just aim for it. Plan for it. Talk about it in your home. Do what you need to do. Make the sacrifices. Invite. Now, often what needs to happen is you have to invite two or three times before it actually occurs. Don't give up right away. Because, you know, we were just trying to get something together tomorrow night. Holly and I were with some friends. It's fallen through. There was reasons on both sides. One of our kids was busy like crazy so they wouldn't be able to come. Then one of their kids got kept home from school with a fever. Well, okay, there it goes. The forces are against us. But don't give up. Don't give up. Come back again. How about next week? Okay, these are the two days that are available for us next week. Oh, shoot, next week doesn't work. Okay, two weeks from now. Just don't give up on the thing. Just shoot for one more. Lead, support the leader of or attend a life group. If you haven't done that already, uh, suggest that you do. We were at Dixon Monday night, and one of the, the attenders there, new attenders there, Dixon, said, when you guys started talking about life groups and training us how to do life groups, I thought, there's no way in the world I want to do that. That's what he said. They've started attending one of the new life groups there in Dixon. He said, I can't believe how much fun it is. I'm having a blast. Now, this is a guy who works with his hands all day long and real kind of rough and tumble sort of guy was thinking, I don't want to sit in a circle and talk to people. That's the last thing in the world I want to do is sit in a circle and talk to people. What is this, an AA meeting? So, but then he went into it and absolutely loves it. He was, his, the joy on his face was so palpable. So if that's you, uh, let me just tell you, it is more fun than it sounds to be in a life group. Exchange screen time for friend time. You make your own goal on that. How much? To say, you know what, normally I'd get up my phone right now and I'd scroll through the election results and try to see, oh, let's refresh it. Let's see if they know where Nevada's going. Oh, they still don't know. Let's see if they know what Georgia, they still don't know. Let's see what Nevada's going. Oh, they still don't know. Let's go back to Georgia, see if they know. They don't know. I wonder what's going to happen with the Senate. You'll find out tomorrow. Call a friend. Engage with, with somebody more deeply than, or do one thing for a friend each day. Simple. Small hinges turn large doors. Small rudders guide great ships. If you do the small acts, the million little things that add up to friendship, it will change the course of your life especially if those friendships are within spiritual family. It will. It will. Do you have your one? Okay. Let me just take about a 20-second 
silent pause. You just stare at the screen. Which one of those do you think you need to choose this coming week? Now do you have your one? Write it down. Maybe even send someone who's a friend of yours a text to help you stay committed to it. Talk to someone next to you or someone in this room before you go. If you're online, feel free to put it in the chat what your one is that you are going to engage. Thank you for being a part of this tonight. I just want to say to all of those who do worship with us online, I know many of you work and you work far away and you can't get here on Wednesday nights, but you love what we have. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining for this uh, particular sermon. But I do want to encourage you, uh, don't, don't settle for the Tootsie Roll. There's going to be a time when you can be in fellowship with others. Pursue that. The face-to-face -face presence is so needed for us. Pastor Bryson, will you come and close our service? That was fantastic, Pastor Dave. I, I won't keep the bar where I said it was of never, never, ever be the same, but I'll say I won't be the same for a while. Like, or at least the change that you asked me to make. Uh, can anyone take a test drive of that this week? Can you pick one of those things and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do it for me. It's going to be the screen time, friend time. Uh, I'm just going to, I can do one less show. You know, like I, we, we can do, or in our case, at, at our house, we can watch Frozen one less time. We can do, see, that's going to be easy for me, harder for the two-year-old. The two-year-old is going to have a harder time. I could watch Frozen never again for the rest of my life, and, and that would be fine. But, but really, uh, exchanging um, screen time for, for friend time is going to be the one that I'm going to take away. Uh, and I'm just saying for a week, that that's all I'm doing. For a week, and I can get to next week and say, I need to make some adjustments, some tweaks, or I need to go more in on that because small things change big things. Thank you for being here at Bethel Midweek. Let me pray, and then we're going to dismiss. Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you uh, that... All jokes aside, your word is the only thing that can transform us. God, your presence is the only thing that can transform us. Uh, and so, Father, uh, we submit to your word and your way. Help us make changes in our lives that are only possible by your spirit so that we can live lives that are uh, postured towards you and open to transformation, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here at Bethel Midweek. God bless you. As you